You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Um. Okay. Welcome back to Talking Next. We are a little delayed. We had a little celebration for President's Day weekend where we just didn't have to work on Monday. So we took the day off, took the weekend off, and now we're, we're coming back to you live. I've got uh, Tom Piccolo and myself here, and we're going we're gonna to do it. Hey, Tom. Let's talk next. All right, Tom. Before we get into it, how's your weekend? And end, end your week now. I know it's Rose's birthday. Yeah, not... Not a whole lot happening over here. Like I had a very, it was, it was a three day weekend and I was like making plans with my brothers. I was like, I had all these grand plans and then just nothing happened. There was some ice storm. There was just like some weather stuff. My, my brother's kid got sick. So basically I, I just sat around all weekend um, doing a bunch of nothing. But for Rose's birthday, she was in New Hampshire and I didn't see her, but she's coming home this weekend. We're gonna we're gonna make a weekend of it. We have uh, reservations at a restaurant in Westport. I, uh, I forget the name of it, but I'll I'll plug it on the next podcast. Give them a shout out. No free ads. Hmm. Um, but I don't know. Pretty pretty nondescript week going on over here. I I will say. I, how are you doing? Tell me you have something more interesting. Yeah, I think I had some more interesting stuff. I'm, I'm in New York City. I went outdoor dining with my roommate. And, uh, just met up with his brother this week and had a, had a couple. <laughs> no big deal. And then, uh, more importantly, on Monday, I had a, a couple friends over and we played Catan. I got Catan for Christmas for myself. And I believe you also bought Catan for Christmas for yourself. We did. We did get that. Played it with my parents over the holiday and it didn't go that well it's hard to explain it like we had never i know uh did you have like a story about explaining it to people how to play so i I pretty much i was gonna say i personally have never been the guy to to be the explainer i'm just one of the one of the people who sits there and they tell me the rules so i had to like re i was like reading the entire instruction guide that whole back sheet Telling everyone, they're like, "What do these even mean?" This you're like, a- "Yeah, I'll skim this, and it'll spark <laughs> a memory." And you're like, "You can't skim Catan; like, it's it's impossible." So we had a it was a whole. My dad just wasn't having it. He was like, "What is this game?" <laughs> yeah, I could I could see that being a thing with parents. I don't think they would have the patience for it. I think uh, we started hitting a little bit of a flow, um, and we, we got it going at the end. It's funny because so. We rolled to see who goes first, right? And I like I had first pick, but I was like, I've played before, so I'll get the last pick. But like I don't even I didn't even really know how to play. <laughs> so I just like gave myself a huge disadvantage and I just lost by a lot. Yeah. Not like, uh, I I'll I know what I'm doing, so I'll, even if I have the last pick, I'll win. in. Nope. Yeah, I would say even if we 
like the running joke became that we were going to play again. That's how you know. It's not, <laughs> that's how you know it didn't go well. <clears throat> Best two out of three. Right. All right. I guess that leads us to the Knicks. The Knicks, since we last spoke, have gone two and three. We defeated, or we started by losing to Miami. We beat the Wizards, Rockets, and the Hawks on a little three-game win streak. Things were looking up. We got to 14 and 15, one game below 500, but much better than anyone anticipated at this point. And then we had a a dud, a full-on dud against the Magic uh, yesterday evening, which was a little discouraging coming off of our hot three-game win streak, but – I mean, we'll, we'll just – we'll walk through it. Miami game, uh, Julius Randle had a, had a clunker. First time in a long time. Scored 12 points, four for 18 or something from the field. Lost by two. This game, we got a shot from the free throw line by a lot. I think Bam Adebayo had the same number of free throws as the Knicks team. So, we'll just blame the refs for that loss. Next up was the Wizards. We played them without Beal. Wizards are just – those are painful to watch. They're just not good at basketball. They're on a three-game winning streak now, though, which is funny because they were so bad. Next up was the Rockets. We beat them. Manhandled them, 121-99. No recollection of what happened in that game. Next up was the Hawks. Julius Randle, this was his uh, – his, his audition for the All-Star game, he put up a, an absolute masterpiece, 44 points, become, became a Dirk Nowitzki from three, just an absolute, doing it from everywhere. Career high in three-pointers in a single game, I believe, which was nice. And then he, he, he comes back in this Orlando game, comes out firing, has 13 in the first quarter. Uh, but then everything, we're up nine after, after one, and then everything just fell apart in that Orlando game, and, and we lost. So that was, that was a full overview of the entire week. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that before we get on to our, our bigger discussion about Julius Randle. Yeah, I mean, that usually takes us like a whole podcast to get through, and you just ran through it, and uh, it was impressive. That was, was well done. Um, I guess the only thing I'd add to that, that Rockets game, you said you had no recollection of, which is fair because I just had to refresh my memory with that box score. That was the game where quickly absolutely went off. I mean, he had 22 ah. points. Yeah, 22 points in 21 minutes, seven of nine from the field, he hit four of six from three, and he was just a total stud in that one. So um, that was the quickly game. I remember on the other side, they were missing their best player. It was uh, Christian Wood, I think, has been kind of their stud. So Eric Gordon kind of had to be their guy. Um, but overall, yeah, the. That, that was also a game where, where Mitchell Robinson missed with an, after uh, injuring his hand against Washington. I think that that um, was that Rockets game, the first game. Yep, that was the first one that New Orleans Noel got the start in. So um, that was kind of one thing I was looking for in that game. And Noel, you know, he's, he's been bringing it enough. I know we don't want to lead the pod with Noel. We'll probably get to him a little later. But I think, uh, I think Julius Randle like you said, making his candidacy, his, his case for the All-Star game is probably what we want to lead with. Yes, indeed. So, like I mentioned, that 44-point game, masterclass, um, got, got the people really, really vibing uh, on the Julius Randle train. Um, he's one of the fringe All-Star candidates um, nationally. 
they just named the all-star starters. He, he's not an all-star starter, so he's going to have to be one of the seven reserves. This guy's coming in averaging 23.2 points per game, 10.9 rebounds, and five and a half assists. I think last year we said his, his season high in assists last year was, was six or seven, and this year he's averaging five and a half, which just the turnaround from this guy is – that's one thing, but the fact that he's leading this New York Knicks team – to um, sixth place in the East currently. That's the crazy stat. That's the craziest stat. Yeah. This team is, you know, one game behind the Boston Celtics. Like, it, it is just – you would have never have guessed that they'd be the sixth seed this late into the season based on all of the preseason projections, predictions. Like, this is, this is wild. This is completely crazy. Um, the fact that Randall I, – I made the – the prediction before the season that like this was essentially a contract year for Randall and that he would be more kind of eager to, to get his own points to, to really try and, you know, build up his own statistics at the, at the detriment to his teammates. And it has been just the opposite. I couldn't have been further off on that prediction because his play has been directly leading to winning basketball. And that's been the biggest surprise of the season far and away yeah I mean and the east isn't overly impressive I mean we're, we're two games under 500 in that sixth spot but I mean the rest of the eastern conference all-stars are also coming from this the same eastern conference so right so we should probably say who the starters are um do you have that I think I have it so it's uh, it's Kyrie Durant Kyrie and Beal are in the backcourt and then it's Durant uh, Joel Embiid and Giannis. Yeah, so you're not going to expect the fans to vote Randall in over certainly any of those guys in the front court, like Durant, Giannis, and Embiid. Embiid is, has a case for MVP, and then you got Durant and Giannis. That's, it was never the expectation that Randall was going to be voted in as an all-star, and it's when we get into those reserves that, the, that it kind of heats up a bit. And, and to your point, Greg, the the guys who are kind of in that range, you know, I, I think there are some guys who are kind of considered locks over Randall. And, and some of those you could even debate, I think Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, people just think of as automatically in. Um, I think that a lot of people think that the Bucks deserve a second guy. So Chris Middleton is in a lot of people's uh, tier there as a kind of a lock. Um, you know, when you get to the, the Pacers have a couple guys up for consideration in DeMontis Sabonis and Malcolm Brogdon. I don't really think that either one of them makes a, a particularly strong case over Randall. There's just a lot more talent on that Pacers team than on this Knicks team. And they're just, the, the Knicks are one and a half games back from Indiana at this point. And then you're looking at guys like, you know, Gordon Hayward on the Hornets who are, who's on a worse team. You've got Zach Levine on the Bulls again on a worse team, Trey Young, on, on just on, we watched Julius Randle take it to the Hawks the other night. Um, it would just be hard for me to to be okay with Trey Young getting getting the nod over Julius Randle at this point. And then Nikola Vucevic, uh, who we saw just yesterday, granted the Magic won, but it wasn't because of Vuce. Like he wasn't he was not impressive to me at all. So um, Jeremy Grant, another guy at the very bottom of the East has been getting into some conversations for the All-Star game. So all those guys, I think Julius Randle far and away, his two-way play is like, he's actually playing well on defense. The Knicks are a top three defensive team 
and Julius Randle's playing the most minutes on that team. Like, he must be doing something right on defense. Um, and so because of that, because of that two-way play, because of the way he's affecting winning, there's no way you can tell me any of those other guys deserve it over him. Yeah. And then well, a lot of those names. And then you add in Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo as well in, on Miami. Um, it's just, just a lot of names that are all all very much in the, in the same mix. One of the things you get scared of with Julius Randle is the fact that some of these guys have been all-stars before. And so a lot of the time they'll just, they'll just pick the guys who have already been all-stars. Um, so that's like Middleton, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo. You, you worry about that. And then – Is there anybody on the Raptors? Because I see the Raptors are right now, you know, essentially tied with the Knicks. I think so they're, they're sneaking back. Um, I don't think they have anyone who's, who's going off. I mean, Van Fleet had his, his 54-point masterpiece. Their leading scorer is Siakam, who's averaging 20.6 and 7.8. He's not having a, his best season. He was better last year. And then um, Van Fleet's averaging 20.4, actually. So, I mean, in, in this backcourt where you're – if you put up Van Vliet against Trey Young, I think – that's more the debate. That's that's. I mean, I think Trey Young is is, is well well ahead of Van Fleet. As far as his like raw statistics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like who you would rather have in like Game Seven of a Finals <laughs> might be a different. Might, it might be a different answer, but I mean, I mean, same with like Zach Levine, who's averaging I don't know how many points. Must be upwards of twenty five, twenty six. Yeah. Um, but defensively he's garbage. I know that the, the Bulls are much better when he's on the bench than when he plays. And those are the kind of stats that like kind of show they, they tend to show an impact. And, and Julius Randle, when, when he's off the floor, in the rare cases when he is off the floor, just because he, he plays so much and has such a burden on his shoulders, when he is off the floor, the Knicks kind of fall apart. So, I mean, as, we, as we saw yesterday. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, just the fact that the Knicks have been this much better than expectation – is you know it's partly Tom Thibodeau, sure. Um, it, it's uh, you could also say it's some development. Um, RJ Barrett's been a little better, but even like this past week, that's been maybe questionable. Emmanuel quickly has been good, but I mean you can point to as much as you want. The answer is Julius Randle. Yeah, and as you mentioned, with like guys on the Celtics, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, I agree that they they seem like locks, but. When you're, you have a team that's 14 and 14 getting two all-stars and the team that's right behind them in the standing, if they get zero, then that's, that's, that's suspect, I would say. Um, I mean, both of those guys are having unbelievable seasons, both averaging 25 points, but and, and they Greg, have just each to, other. Just to play devil's advocate there, like I, I'm sure a lot of Pacers fans – I don't think a lot of Pacers fans listen to this podcast, but they would say we're actually ahead of the Celtics. They have two locks and we have zero – we have zero all stars. Yeah. Like that doesn't make any sense. And to that, I say, okay, like that, that's fair. That's, yeah. The Celtics ha- do have appear like they appear to have a lot more talent, and they're not they're not doing as well with it. They're not really cultivating it. Maybe that's a coaching thing. I don't know if Brad Stevens is not having his best season, but um, the other guy who we didn't mention is coming from the best team in the East, and that's the Seventy Sixers. And I, I mean, the two players that that people think have a case would be Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris. Um, Ben Simmons in particular, people say he is a defensive player of the year candidate. 
that his scoring doesn't indicate his true value and that, you know, he's, he's such a, a versatile defender who does a lot of playmaking and he's all, he's very devastating in transition. I'll grant all that. I haven't watched enough Sixers to really be able to parse Ben Simmons, like statistical stats versus his actual on-court value. Um, I know he has been an all-star in the past, so he might also get that bump that you're referring to, but he was just another guy I think we should throw out because I mean, the Sixers are the best team in the, in the conference and, and could very well make a case for at least two all-stars. Yep. Indeed. So it's going to be tight. Certainly. He's, if, if he's going to be in there, it's going to be one of those last two uh, wild card spots. We think, I mean, I, you got to have him. We have him undoubtedly ahead of the, everyone behind us in the standings, pretty much, I'd say. Vucevic, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Trey Young, Levine, Gordon Hayward. I, I just don't see any of those guys having a, a good enough case of, of dominance to, to warrant putting them ahead of, of a guy like Julius Randle. Yeah, and I, and I don't think that's a homer take. Like, I think that that's just objectively true based on the, the results, on, on the win-loss record and the – responsibility that Randall has had compared to those other guys it's and the surrounding talent that he's had and the the exceeding of expectations like it's just I would imagine that coaches in particular like to reward winning over reputation I, I would just think that's the case and Randall has had enough impressive games against opposing coaches that I, I would just have to believe that he has earned the respect and, I, you know, honestly, two weeks ago, I probably would have said something different, but he's just been so good lately um, that, that, that one kind of clunker that you mentioned notwithstanding, like his, his other games have just been so impressive that he, he's been bringing it every night. And uh, so, yeah, I, at this point, I would genuinely be shocked if he weren't voted in by the coaches to be a reserve. Good. That's what I like to hear. I, I hope you're right. Um, just another thing to, to illustrate is his like he he's the the guy on this team. You've you mentioned that other teams have have a one A and one B like like the Celtics, like the Pacers. But Julius Randle's second leading scorer is is R.J. Barrett, who is averaging sixteen and a half, and who recently has has been a little bit of of been a little bit inconsistent. He had a very hot streak going prior to our last pod, and now he's had a little bit of a cold streak. He's been inconsistent throughout his, throughout this season. So Julius Randle has been the epitome of consistency this whole year. So. Yeah, I, th- I think, like, that kind of comes with being a 20-year-old in this league with that much of a, of a burden kind of on you. Like, a lot is expected from R.J. Barrett production-wise. And I think – the more concerning thing for me, I, I'm not worried necessarily, but the fact that he has been sitting out so many fourth quarters has been kind of, it's just like a little irritating, especially this past game against Orlando. Granted, we lost by 18. It's not like it was particularly close, but t- towards the beginning of that fourth quarter, it still very much felt within reach. And Barrett was having himself a good game. Like he had 15 points. On 5 of 11 shooting, he hit one of his three threes. Um, he got into the free throw line, and he was 4 of 5 from the line. And he was just – he was playing aggressive, looking for his own shot, and he was also really getting after it on defense. I, I, 
I don't know if he was making like all the, all the right defensive plays, but he was really competing. And, um, you know, with, with Ross, Terrence Ross kind of going off against us, I, I wanted to see Barrett matched up on him. And we, we didn't get that in the fourth, you know, Thibodeau chose to go a different direction. He wanted more shooting on the, on the floor with Alec Burks um, kind of in that RJ spot, but Burks has been off lately. He was certainly off in this game against Orlando. That was very clear early on, and and Thibodeau sort of just wrote it out. And it was just a bummer because I wanted to see more more Barrett because you know he played well. We said we say he's been having like a rough stretch, but it was really just those two games. I mean, I guess you could say it's been, it's been more than two games. That's that's fair. He the two games against Miami, he struggled. In Washington, he was three of thirteen. It, that was kind of like a lot of meaningless basketball. But the last two games against Atlanta, he had 21 points on 14 shots. And against Orlando, 15 points on 11 shots. Like he's, he's also like looked solid. He, he was three of three from behind the arc against Atlanta. So to be honest, I just think, yes, he had a few rough games, but he sort of turned that around. And for some reason, Thibodeau decided not to go with him. Yeah. And, and, you mentioned that Atlanta game. Two of those threes were down the stretch of that game. I mean, this was – I mean, we won this game by 11, but this was a tight game until the last two minutes of the game when R.J. Barrett hit a couple of dagger threes, which our co-host here, Jake, has, has, has said to us he doesn't know if he's ever seen R.J. Barrett hit a big three. And then when he hit these, Jake was, Jake was all about it. He was, he, was, he was in the chat saying, there's the R.J. Barrett big three we've been needing. And so that was another part of the that made the the magic game a little tougher because we had just seen um, RJ Barrett do well down the stretch of the fourth quarter, but part of it was the the size of the deficit. I feel like in this in this magic game, it ballooned pretty pretty quickly. We lose by seventeen, and then once you lose by seventeen, do you even bring in RJ? What's what's the decision to be made there? Plus, you never know what you never know what Tibbs is going to do, with, whether he's going to you know bring in back in Alfred Payton if he's going to ride with Derrick Rose and quickly. He's the the fourth quarter is 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 the hot hand it seems to be in this this Knicks season. So yeah, and, and you really mentioned have... that uh, that Hawks game. You know the the Knicks were up by two with five minutes left, and that was when RJ hit his first of two corner threes. But that lineup that, that was out there, it was Rose at the point, quickly at the two, RJ at the three, then Randall at the four, and Nerlens Noel at the five. That was a fun lineup. And, you know, you look at that lineup and you think there's probably not enough shooting, right? Like Derek Rose doesn't really scare you from the three. Uh, I mean, quickly, and I guess now Randall. I mean, Randall's over, hitting over 40% of his threes. I've kind of – towards the beginning of the season, I just kind of kept thinking that that was going to – regress back to the mean and it hasn't like uh, Randall is a legitimate three-point shooter at this point so you have to factor that in if you're a defense but again between Rose RJ and Nerlens Noel that's not a ton of shooting and the fact that RJ was able to hit those two threes I mean that's what that lineup needed desperately and that's what ended up winning the game were those those two clutch corner threes from pretty much the same spot yeah and if he's if he starts hitting that consistently, then, I mean, he'll definitely be in the closing lineup going forward just because he is our second-best player. So, I mean, he is 
Generally, he is in the closing lineup, I would say, but periodically Tibbs just rides with the hot hands, uh, which part of that has also been that Alfred Payton has not been terrible recently. I would say he's been a pretty functional starting point guard. Um, He's not an all-star, but he's been doing his job. So, I don't know. It's it's, it's tough when you have – so many options in the backcourt as well with, with quickly and Derek Rose and Peyton doing okay. Then you're just trying to, to mix and match with, with who's the hot hand down the stretch. Yeah. I feel like the energy of this pod would be so different if we had recorded before the magic game, right? <laughs> Cause like we were on a three game winning streak. Everyone was playing well. And then against the magic, like, especially the guys who we like, I mean, the fact that RJ didn't play so much in the fourth, yes. But even more so, Emmanuel quickly going one of 12 from the field. That was pretty brutal. He missed all four of his threes. And he was a, a team worst, minus 19 in plus minus. Like, that just – I don't think that's been the case all season. Like, he's been a plus minus, you know, darling. And he's – the team has always been better with him on the floor. It was, it was one bad game. I'm not going to, like, read too much into it. But it was such a winnable one that, like – you start to have some expectations of this team, right? Like you go on a three game winning streak, you're playing against a team that's missing, you know, a fair amount of their best players. um, Or at least a lot of their depth. And they're they're starting guys who I don't, I don't necessarily know off the top of my head who G Clark is. Do you know who that is? Gary. I think it's Gary Gary Clark from Cincinnati, but I, I more so know that because they played against UConn. You know so, him from Cincinnati, from his earlier work. Yeah, more so than, than from his Magic days. Yeah. Plus, I mean, the Magic also just got Fournier back from, from a 15-game absence due to back spasms. I guess Michael Carter-Williams had missed some time, and this was only his third game back. So, while we had, we had luck that Aaron Gordon was out, um, it's a little unfortunate that Fournier decided to make his, his appearance. But – Again, Fournier wasn't the difference here. Terrence Ross went for 30. I mean, the, the Knicks, even more so than Terrence Ross going for 30, the Knicks were just not good at basketball. They got outscored by 27 from the three-point line, 16 for 34 by the Magic, and seven for 27 by the Knicks. So there's the game right there. Yeah, yeah. So we can keep bouncing around a little bit. Like, I am curious what you think about, you know, since Mitch – has been out and he'll be out for kind of the next, uh, have we gotten a timeline on that? I know we got had successful surgery and all that, but what did they yeah, say? Like five think, weeks? Yeah. Four to six, I think was, was the initial prediction. Four so. to six. So, I mean, do you, how do you think Nerlens Noel has done that? Do you think it's like affected the, the rotation with Taj getting more minutes and maybe more lineups with like Randall at center? Do you think it's, it's looking okay so far? I mean, so far so good. Nerlens has looked, Good enough. I mean, he's obviously not Mitch, but he can hold his own at the center. He plays great defense. Um, and all, all, he's, all we're really asking him to do on the, uh, the offensive end is dunk it. So, I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't have the best hands. He doesn't have the hands Mitch has to, to catch lobs, but he can do it. I know at one point he squared up to shoot a three in, in earlier this <laughs> week, and, and Walt Frazier was like, what? What? <laughs> which was funny, but he, he didn't shoot it. He passed it off, which was a wise was decision. It was um, funny. 
So, I mean, I like what I'm seeing from Nerlens. He's obviously not really a guy that has played 30 game, 30 minutes a night in his career. So it'll be interesting to see going forward. And plus he, another thing to say is that this season, BBD has said that Nerlens Noel is just randomly out periodically for, for just a game here and there. You just get a Knicks Twitter update saying Nerlens Noel is out by the way. And we're like, we didn't even know he was injured, but so when, when that happens, things are going to get interesting because then you're left with Taj Gibson and then, then you're forced to play Obi Toppin and, and Julius Randle at the center because we don't have depth in the backcourt. Neither of our two-way players are, are forwards, so forwards or centers. So it, it, it'll be interesting to see when that depth is tested. I know Nerlens and, and Taj have gotten into some foul trouble in a – a couple of these games so we saw for a couple minutes at least Julius Randle who over to the five with with Ovi playing the four I don't know how how much they're going to want to do that we may want to want to see Ovi playing center more on the offensive end maybe because we don't love his three-point shot right now but I'm not too worried obviously Mitchell Robinson is is better than than the options we have but I don't think the fall off is is so drastic that the Knicks can't weather the storm at least at least a little bit until he gets back. Yeah, I hope you're right. I I think defensively Mitch is just he is a much better just pick and roll defender than Noel. Like he just does a really good job of kind of splitting that difference, dropping back on the ball handler while also preventing the lob. He's just he's a lot taller and longer than, than Noel is like, it, it's pretty stark when you see them next to each other, you think of Noel as this tall guy and then Mitch just kind of dwarfs him. He's huge and he's so bouncy. So that, that does hurt on the offensive end. Mitch just has so much gravity as a, as a roller to the rim. Like his, the threat of his lobs are, you know, you could tell defenses are scared of them. And I think that the biggest beneficiary of that, and, I, and I'm trying to find a way to like write about this is, is RJ Barrett who throws a ton of law. Like he's the best lob thrower to Mitch on the team. I think this year we've talked about how Alfred Payton struggles with his lob throwing. So it's not, maybe not that big of an accomplishment, but like when RJ uses a Mitch screen, he's just very, he just, greatly benefits from def- defenses focusing on Mitch rolling. And that's why he's able to kind of get easy looks or throw lobs. Like he hasn't really had that pick and roll chemistry with Nerlens yet. He's a couple times. I think he's thrown some lobs, but it's been far less frequent. So I don't know. I, my take is that RJ is the one who's kind of like struggle the most without Mitch in the offense on the offensive side of the ball. We'll see if that kind of continues to, to be the case, but you're right in general, like, Taj is a fine backup. Um, Thibs obviously trusts him a great deal. And then I'd like to see OB like being that rim runner more often. Like he, that would be a great role for him, whether Randall defends opposing centers on the other end of the court, maybe, maybe that's a better matchup, but it can completely depends on personnel, but offensively I'm with you instead of OB being that kind of, pick and pop guy, having him start roll to the basket like Noel does in the starting lineup now, like Mitch did when he was playing. I think that'd be a, a better offensive fit for him. 
Then this leads to the question of, are the Knicks going to make a move in, in some way to bring in a center? Um, not necessarily like Andre Drummond, like an actual move, but even just bringing in some random power forward for death. Like, yeah, did like you see that uh, get... from Mark Berman, that tweet from Mark Berman today? He said the Knicks, <laughs> yeah. like, do you say like they should go for Drummond or like it'd be perfect time for them to go for Drummond? I, he said something like it can't hurt. It was yeah. like, eh, it's like a lot of money to, to pay, even if he's expiring, if we have to give anything up for, for anything. I'm just thinking, like, if, like, a guy like Taj Gibson, like, we already brought in Taj Gibson. So, if we just brought in another Taj Gibson, something like that. Is that like a Willie Hernan Gomez? Can we bring him back? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm fine just to have the, that depth. Like I mentioned, Nerland's Noel, I don't – he's not the healthiest guy. It's not durable, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so, he'll, he'll miss his games. We'll need that, that, that backup backup. Even if – so you could you could see one of the two-way guys getting caught and maybe we just sign someone to a, to a new two-way. Um, it'd probably be Harper instead of Pinson just because Pinson is – seems to be a, a fun guy to, to just celebrate the whole game. <clears throat> Nothing to do with basketball. I think Harper's probably – Harper had a good start to the G League. He had a pretty dominant first game, so. No, but Harper's going to start like – start doing some handshakes and stuff. Cause like just yeah. <laughs> Pinson's, Pinson's energy on the bench is unmatched. Like you're not going to find that just yeah. anywhere. So like Harper's going to need to step that up because you're right. I think there's like a tangible sort of value that, that Pinson brings. Um, just yeah, being he's on got, the bench and being crazy. He's got that like uh Kent Bazemore first stint with the Warriors. <laughs> I don't know if you remember those. He, oh, he yeah. just, was literally just the celebration guy on the bench. Uh, undrafted out of Old Dominion, just just turned that into into a career, and now he he made like seventy two million dollars on the Bucks or something, some some crazy amount of money for Kent Bazemore. Now he's back on the Warriors, and he's like uh, actually contributing at a big game yesterday. So that's a great career sort of blueprint for Theo Pinson. Yeah, <laughs> follow, follow that. Yeah, um, agreed. So. I think the the one thing we probably should talk about, because on the last pod we had discussed like Derek Rose's acquisition and whether kind of what our concerns were, what we liked about the deal. Since then, we've actually seen him play basketball and I think it's going pretty well. I think the experiment is kind of paying off. I know a lot of people who were in support of the Derek Rose trade or kind of have been doing victory laps already. (laughs) Might be a little early, but I'm, you know, I'm on the record saying I think it's a good thing and I don't think it's going to be detrimental to Emmanuel Quickly's role or usage or minutes. I think that's kind of played out a little bit to this point. What have you seen so far? Yeah, I mean, Rose, I think Quickly and uh, Obi have both said that Rose has been a good, a good leader, a good voice in the locker room as well. And in addition to his play on the court, he's been great. He's shown that he's been – he's not the ball-dominant Derrick Rose that, that we had last time. Um, I mean, he could still he could still go to the rim and, and dominate the ball, but you can tell that he's willing to, to be a little bit more passive. I know during that Magic game yesterday, there was a – I think at the end of the first half, the clock was winding down, and I was 
I was calling for Derrick Rose to, to go and get the ball and be the guy to take the last shot, but he just he stood in the corner and didn't really didn't really do anything. He just let someone else be the guy, and that that to me was was fine. Uh, I was like, I kind of wish Derrick Rose did go get it, but it's good to see that he's willing to be more passive and let these other guys take it take it take a stand and and be the guy. So not not ball dominant, but he's been good, and he he's. Been shooting the three well to start. I don't know how sustainable that is. But I like him. I like what I see. I do too. I, I think that he has been a really strong fit so far. He's he's super aggressive getting into the paint, but he hasn't just been like <clears throat> hunting his own shots. He has been he has been looking for his teammates. He does do that thing where he jumps up in the air and just kind of find tries to find a guy. He's like, I'll figure it out later. Yeah. And he's athletic enough still to, to make that work a lot of the times, but it has gotten him in trouble. And I think he has turned the ball over a decent amount, but in general, he's, he's been good. It's been a good fit with, with quickly. He does let quickly bring it up. Sometimes he lets Alec Burks bring it up. Sometimes like it, it's really a kind of like a three point guard system when those three guys are together as, as a part of that second unit. Um, I, I think, in the first couple games, we saw Rose really looking for Obi Toppin, and that sort of became a thing. Like, look for, for Rose to, to help with Obi Toppin's development. He was looking for Obi in transition. Um, he was pushing the ball, which that's kind of something I said before the, you know, when the acquisition happened, before we saw them play, that, that Derek Rose very much likes to push the ball and get out and run, and that's not something this Knicks team has done traditionally. But – Rose has kind of brought that a little bit. And I remember one play specifically, he pushed the ball and Obi Toppin, who's really good at running the floor, uh, got a mismatch and, and posted somebody up, posted his defender up and just got a real easy bucket in transition uh, because of it. So that's stuff I want to see Obi do more of. And Derek Rose is just the kind of point guard who's going to be able to kind of nurture that. Yeah. And then yesterday, <clears throat> this one didn't work out, but – Derek Rose tried to throw a fast break, uh, a pass to, to Obi. And it looked like one of the Magic defenders kind of like got in the way and like looked like he was going to tip it, but he didn't tip it. And then Obi didn't go for it. And the ball just went out of bounds and it was Magic ball. And you saw Derek Rose yell at Obi and say, go for it. So Cause he could get a foul call. But I mean, I will say it is night and day between Derek Rose looking for Obi versus Austin Rivers, who just straight up, had a blind spot, couldn't see Obi Toppin when he was like, had a wide open lane for a lob. Austin Rivers just refused to give it up to him. Meanwhile, Rose just seems to like to his own detriment, to a fault. He is looking for Obi Toppin for, for easy buckets. And so I would prefer that end of the spectrum over Austin Rivers. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're probably throwing a, a tea party since you were, you've been calling for, for Rivers minutes to be to be given elsewhere distributed elsewhere for a while now and now I mean at the cost that we paid which was Dennis Smith Jr. who we did not want on, on the team um, and a, a second round pick from the, the Hornets who are currently in eighth place so we're talking about a, a mid second round pick which as Tony can say if you want it just go buy it so it's, it's it's not a high price to pay. The risk reward is is very, very favorable. Um, Look, if it helps your young guys play in competitive basketball games, and if like some, if the Knicks really do sneak into the playoffs, I know like 
we haven't even really talked that much about the actual playoffs on this podcast, understandably so, being a Knicks podcast. But, like, the fact that Derrick Rose makes this team a better team and that they are currently poised to be in the playoffs, you know, if the season ended today, that's the kind of valuable experience that, yeah, a, a second-round pick very rarely is that valuable. So, gr- granted, this, this Knicks front office, this regime has shown the ability to identify talent later on. Um, Emmanuel quickly, it, he was a, yes, we drafted him late in the first round. A lot of people thought that he should be a second-round pick. But, look, it, it's worked out so far. I'm not, I'm not complaining about the Derrick Rose acquisition at this point. Yeah, indeed. So, <clears throat> turning the second-round pick for a playoff appearance is – it would be really quite something. I mean, I guess we can, we can briefly discuss this, this playoff picture. Uh, Nick's currently in sixth place at the, the four through – 10 spot or honestly 11 12 it's all it's all the bunch between the pacers who are in fourth and the magic who are in 12th there's a four game difference between the cavaliers who are in 14th there's a five game difference so yeah that's wild this this bunch of teams that the Knicks are involved in, you're, you're thinking that the teams are ahead of them are going to be ahead of them. The 76ers, Nets, Bucks, Pacers, Celtics, you believe that they're actually better than the Knicks. Um, Raptors are making their move recently. They're in the seventh spot. But then the rest of these teams, you're like, uh, I think the Knicks could, could be better than them. Uh, the Hornets, they beat us, but we don't believe in them. The Bulls, nothing – Nothing to write home about there. The Heat are the one team. I mean, they beat us twice in a row, which was was tough. That was a tough break for us. Um, both tough, tough losses. But since then, they've they haven't bounced back. They've lost three in a row, and they're they're eleven and seventeen. So you got to go six games over five hundred just to get to five hundred. Which you don't even need to be five hundred to make it to the playoffs in this Eastern Conference. Yeah, I mean, I don't watch a bunch of Heat games. Like, I really only watch when they play the Knicks. So, my impression of them is like, oh, they're actually this very good team who has just kind of, <laughs> kind of struggled to start. But every other indication, record-wise and, and, what, we've, and what has happened since, it, it, it indicates otherwise. Like, he's, the, the Heat are not a good basketball team this year. I don't know whether that's, you know, I don't know if they've been, like, missing guys due to COVID protocols or what the deal is. But um, – that team is, is definitely, I'm comfortable saying, more talented than the Knicks are, which is just as, you know, it's kind of circling back to our, the beginning of our conversation. Like, that's a, another reason why Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler don't deserve all-star consideration over Randall, because this is a team that objectively has more talent than the Knicks do, and they're being outperformed pretty pretty handily at this point. So, yeah, I'm – I'm with you. Like the Heat are kind of the one team that I expect to make some kind of a run and just being two games back with plenty of time left, like it's possible, but they're not really playing like they are poised to do that at this point. And the other teams you mentioned, I'm with you. So I, here's the thing, the Knicks, 
I would be, I'd be pretty surprised at this point. This is almost blasphemous to say, I'd be pretty surprised if they fell out of the playing seat, the playing seeds, right? Like, isn't that nine and 10? Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, that would be pretty hard to conceive of. I mean, knock on wood, any sort of injuries, anything can happen, COVID, anything like that. But I mean, at this point, like the, the Knicks from what we've seen are just like good enough. They're good enough to make the playoffs in the East. Like that's, that's, almost, that's almost a fact. Like they're good enough to yeah. make the playoffs in the East. I would have never expected to say that before the season. Yeah. I mean, they're in the sixth spot right now, which is, which is crazy. Cause I mean, so if they continued their current output, they wouldn't even be in that playoff. Uh, that play in for the playoff, which is the craziest thing of all. And you just, you kind of wonder what could possibly fall off. Like I'm not going to count injuries or anything like illnesses or anything like that, but it would be the fact that Mitch Robb got hurt. That, that is tough. Like that's the Knicks bread and butter this year has been their defense. They've been a top three, top four defense all year. And Mitchell Robinson's their most important defensive player. So that does worry me. Um, and I, I hope that he's able to, to make a, a quick recovery and come back because I, I do think that he's absolutely crucial to them winning games it's bizarre because you look at his on off numbers and like the, the defense is somehow better when he's off the court, but that just feels very fluky to me. It's, it has a lot to do, I think with the opponents and Mitch always going against the starters. Um, I think you know, if he were going against bench units, it wouldn't even be close. I, I can't imagine, but that that's one thing that worries me. And then, you know, I wrote a few weeks ago for Nick's film school that I expected Julius Randall's, mid-range shooting specifically from long two to, to fall off because he'd been shooting just absurdly on long twos but the ridiculous thing is that he's actually gotten better since mm. then. like he he can't miss on these long twos it it, it doesn't he's taking them more free, frequently than he ever has in his career he's taking i mean listen he's taking 20 percent of his shots on long mid range, that's in the 95th percentile among bigs. So almost no other bigs take more shots from long two than him. But in terms of accuracy, he's, he's hitting over 50%. Like he's hitting 51% on long twos. And a lot of those, as we know, are setback long two fadeaways as the shot clock is winding down. Like he is hitting just a ridiculous level of accuracy on these tough shots that are, by all metrics, supposed to be the least efficient shots in the game. And so, I mean, that's – I made a pretty – you know, the, the prediction I made was almost like a no-brainer, like a very safe prediction, and it's been completely wrong. He just keeps making these long twos, and, and we saw that chart, um, the one I sent through in our group chat, of like the, the leaders and field goals from the different sections on the court. And Julius Randle leads the whole league in field goals made from like that long – to on the on the baseline on the on the right is it the right baseline there yeah yeah absolutely nuts and and so to go along with with what you're saying during that hawks game there was uh one down the stretch where he kind of like shot it over the backboard kobe bryant style yeah and still hit it it was like wow this guy's this guy's real that's that's how you know when you're putting up that 44 point game everything's going right and so that that shot that's that's his all star uh, moment right there for me 
among every single other moment he's had this season. Love that guy. I mean, I don't know. Do we have any more Knicks to talk? We've had a, a pretty succinct show thus far. I'm, I'm, I know we're bummed that Mitch is gone. He was, he was getting hot. He was actually in the middle of his, his best game of the season when he got hurt. He had a double-double, 10 points, 14 boards in that first half. So <clears throat> this stretch while he's out is going to be interesting. So it'll be something to look out for in the future. I guess we can we can talk about the predictions for this this upcoming week. Yeah, I guess uh, there's not like, really any game. Just the last thing I'd say is, um, despite Mitch being out, Obi Toppin's minutes are still pretty low. Like he played 11 minutes and 45 seconds against the Magic. He played 11 minutes and 18 seconds against the the Hawks. Like those are two of his lower numbers. I mean. It, he just hasn't been getting very many minutes and I don't know. Do you think he should be getting more? I mean, it's, it's one of those tough situations because it's like Kevin Knox or, or Frank last year when you're like, should he be getting more minutes? And you're like, I mean, he should be getting more minutes because he's one of our young guys. But when you see like the product he's putting out on the court, it's hard to justify those additional minutes. But when, like you mentioned earlier, when he's, he's playing with Derrick Rose and Derrick Rose is looking for him. And when he's, he's being used as a cutter instead of the, the corner three point shooter, where he's good for one, either air ball, if it's from the corner, or if it's, if it's on the, the elbow three, he's good for an absolute brick that doesn't hit the rim. Um, so, I mean, when he's used not as the, the three-point shooter, I know on, on the past we've mentioned Sabonis during his, his lone season with the Thunder when he was used as a spot-up three-point shooter, and he just has shown that that's just not what he is. He's an all-star center. Um, when we see Obi go go to the rim and dunk it, that's, that's what we want to see. I know he had the absolute highlight dunk from Kevin Knox late in the game this week. Yeah, I will say kind of the difference. I know you weren't directly comparing Sabonis to Obi Toppin, but one thing that makes Sabonis not an all-star over Randall, but a very impactful player is that he plays just with so much force. Like he will just bulldoze you in the post. Obi Toppin, I just think is much more of a finesse player. Like he's very graceful, even his dunks. Like they all, they all do look very graceful when he's up in the air. Like, which is funny because when he's on the ground, he's not graceful at all. He like moves very awkwardly, but when he leaps, like it's kind of a different thing. And I don't, I just don't think of him as a like very powerful, forceful player. I think he has a lot of that upper body strength. He's got the broad shoulders, but his legs and core just seem kind of, he's going to need to work on it. Like he's in the NBA now, he's going to have time to, to work on his body and to get right. But just the way he's built, he's got everyone talks about his high hips, um, which kind of contribute to that that awkward movement um, on the court sometimes. But yeah, like if Obi Toppin is going to be kind of reach his potential, I think he'll need to adopt a little bit more of that Sabonis like just bulldozing over guys. If they try, if they try and stick a small forward on you, just absolutely just dominate. <clears throat> And I did one of those those videos for us 
um, for Talking Nicks, talking about Obi Toppin a bit, and how earlier in the year he had – it was the game against Sacramento. He had Corey Joseph matched up on him, and he basically tried to back down Corey Joseph and went nowhere. He, like, backed him down from the wing and just sort of went laterally to the, to the free throw line and, and took a contested jumper over the top that completely bricked. And, and then we saw against um, the Wizards – he had a similar play against Denny Avdia where he couldn't make any progress backing down Denny either. And that's the kind of stuff that worries me because these are smaller guys. I mean, Corey Joseph is tiny compared to Obi. Denny also is a wing. He's not a big, like Obi is. Um, so th- that's just something I'll be looking for. Like can Obi actually take advantage of mismatches, whether it's in the post or in isolation? And is he able to play with force and like back dudes down and get to the basket? Yeah, and in that Wizards game, there also was a was a play where Ish Smith like just stripped him while he was going up for the back and someone down and going up for it because he keeps the ball a little low. Um, like you you mentioned, he needs that mentality. I think he kind of has that mentality. He just needs to to figure out how to actually make the post moves, which you have, you've also discussed in your videos. Uh, so I, I think. The fire's there. You can tell that he wants to. He wants to go at people. Um, he loves demanding the ball in the post, calling <laughs> for it nonstop. Uh, he really does. But it's, it's just he's not. He doesn't have that that low post game yet. That that we're going to want to see from him, and especially with Mitch out, we're going to want to see that develop a little further. And I don't know if there's anyone on the on the team. I guess you could learn it from from Julius Randall. How to, how to work that post game. Because, I mean, Nerland's Noel and, and Taj Gibson aren't, aren't exactly the best back-to-the-basket scorers. No, so. we, need, we need Kenny Payne to teach him. Yeah. I guess that's what the coaches are for. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, th- I think that was it from, uh, from my side. All right. Good. So, Tom, we got actually a, a pretty easy prediction here. Um, our game we got on Saturdays against the Spurs is postponed. They have, have COVID issues. So we have one game before the next podcast, uh, which is the Minnesota Timberwolves at Madison Square Garden. Carl Anthony Towns is back. D'Angelo Russell is out for a few weeks. So I, I'm, I'm willing to waive the rule of us having to make separate picks because of this one game. I think that we, if we want to make the playoffs, as we've, met, as we've discussed here, we're going to have to beat the Minnesota Timberwolves, who are um, – yep, they are the single worst team in the NBA mm-hmm. at 7-22. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, Towns missed a lot of time there. He's back and without Mitch. We'll see if he goes to town. We'll see if he goes to Towns on us. Uh-huh. Uh, but I hope – hopefully <laughs> we, we, we're going to have to win. Yeah, I was about to say they're only – Two and eight in their last ten, but I guess I could have just said they're <laughs> just seven and twenty-two. Seven and twenty-two. Yeah, I think that's just as fair to say. And, uh, and you know, they did just lose to the Pacers in overtime, so they took a solid Pacers team to overtime. That was at home. Um, you know, I'm, I'm looking at kind of what they've done on the road. They they have an impressive road win recently at Toronto, so it's not like 
know, they have a, they have a road win against Oklahoma city thunder. Um, Man, these, this last stretch is a lot of, of close, close games that they've lost. Yeah. Yeah. These, so it's not like the, the Knicks can just like roll out of bed and, and beat this team. Like we just saw that against the magic. Like we thought the magic were going to be trash and that turned out not to be the case. So you have to show up for every game. Um, but at home, like at the Garden, I have to believe the Knicks are going to beat this Timberwolves team. Like you can't predict otherwise. Yeah, if I you agree. really think that this so. is that the Knicks can like make the playoffs, like you said, like, I mean this this is a this is a game you have to win. Yeah, so we're going both going to predict one and zero this week, um, a win over the Timberwolves. And so that game's at 7 p.m. I see. Are we really going to, on Sunday? Are we going to pod after that game? Like, are, are you and I going to just take a vacation? We'll let the other guys <laughs> let them run it. Who knows? Maybe, maybe we'll come out with a podcast on Monday. They're not playing on Monday. So maybe we'll do it then. Who knows? We, we have no – there's no rules here. Baseball season just started for, for BBD and, and Jake. Uh, Jake got verified on Twitter and he hasn't responded to our texts ever since. So <laughs> we'll see what happens. We'll see when we're, we're available again. And I think that does it for our, our next talk. And that allows us to move on to everyone's favorite segment. We assume what else is on. So Tom, have you, you started anything now over there? So I'm trying to think of what the show was that I spoke about last time we did this. And I think I'd mentioned just starting a new, yes, I, I just talked about starting a new kind of mystery drama show called Lupin, Lupin mm-hmm. yeah. on Netflix. It's a, it's a French show that's dubbed into English. And I just, I finished it. Um, season, so they kind of released it in batches. So the first, it's only six episodes probably about, I want to say about 45 to 55 minutes per episode. And, you know, you get through the first six episodes and it completely ends on a cliffhanger. And you, you go to watch the next one and they're like, that's coming another time. <laughs> you, know, you have to wait for that. But you almost kind of get used to not having to wait around for stuff, for stuff like that. You know, especially with streaming, they usually do these batch releases like full season drops, you know, so you get some kind of resolution before the break, but I'm just sitting here with a huge mid season cliffhanger. And I, I don't even know when to expect season two. Oh, wow. That's, I was going to say, do they know when it's coming out, but that's, that's tough. That's, that's like, that's what streaming's good for. That's like, I was able to watch lost with all those episodes back to back to back. You're able to watch five seasons of Lost in, in a month rather than having to to watch it over the course of like eight years. Right. So, so. you get that like huge dramatic cliffhanger and people had to wait months yeah. to, to, to kind of figure out, you know, there's that we have to go back, you yeah. know, our favorite. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. and, and you and I just like kind of sped right through that. You're like, okay, let's go back. And yeah, then, uh, let's. Well, that's, that's interesting. Let's see what happens. <laughs> yeah. uh, I love Lost, but um, uh, what so, uh, else is on for you? So th- this isn't what I'm watching right now, but I'll say that me and your brother Mike, we both watched uh, Better Call Saul, and they haven't they haven't uploaded like the last season to Netflix, and it's been like I haven't lived with your brother in like two years, so. 
we were big fans of the show, and now I just I have no idea what happens. I've, I've I've been left on a cliff until the next season comes to Netflix. Good show. I didn't but, realize. I mean, it so, wasn't so people love Better Call Saul, and some people have even made the like kind of counterculture argument that it's better than Breaking Bad. Um, but I love Breaking Bad. I never gave Better Call Saul a chance. Better Call Saul is good. I would give it a chance. It gets the, the Greg stamp of approval. And I will, on to my, my, what I've actually been watching. Um, I finished Money Heist, or the first two seasons of Money Heist, which was one heist. Um, it's in the foreign language, so I, I've decided to take a break. I watched Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, which was also in a foreign language. Uh, it was good. It's good. We've been watching a lot of international stuff on this pod. We're like yeah. super yeah. cultured. We're, we're hit. And then but the, my, my latest venture is Six Feet Under, which is a, an old hit show from, from HBO. I've heard, I've heard great things. It's supposed to be up there with, with The Wire and Sopranos, maybe a tier below. But, I mean, tier below, those two is, is still high praise. So I've, I've only watched the first two episodes. I'm into it. The uh, plot is the, so their their family owns a funeral parlor, and the dad dies in the first episode. We'll see what goes on from here. <laughs> Six feet under, you said. Yep. All right. I'll check that out. All right. I mean, I'll let you. I can watch it and let you know if you should check it out. Actually, yeah, that's probably the smarter thing to do. You should never just watch a show blind anymore. There's no reason to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's too many recommendations out there. You can you can watch any, any of the other things we've we've said to watch already that have already received the stamp of approval. Though one note with the stamp of approval is that it's it's revocable as Tom has displayed in the past with with the flight attendant. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did revoke that one. It started out with such promise and just completely devolved into this nonsense that it didn't come together at all. But yeah. I'm, I'm glad I watched it so you guys don't have to. I kind of took one for the team. <laughs> we appreciate it. I think that'll do it for us. That'll do it. That'll do it. Uh, so, I mean, follow us on Instagram. Tom's, Tom's hot in the streets on, on Twitter these days, posting the strong content, strong videos. Follow him on Twitter. I assume if you're listening to this, you probably are, already do. So tell your friends, too, as well. Go next, other than that. Next tape.